Thanks for listening to the A-Podcast, the podcast that talks all about the southern resident killer whales, J-Pod, K-Pod, and L-Pod. We are today focusing again on J-50 and the rescue efforts to save her life. She is the young J-Pod southern resident killer whale who is near death and has been the center of a historic rescue effort to save her life. Noah and other biologists and veterinarians have been out trying to administer antibiotics and dewormer to her. She is not improving. And so now the latest is that a rescue effort to actually uh, take a live capture of her and uh, put her somewhere in a net pen to try to rehabilitate her, maybe give her medicine, do diagnostics, figure out what's wrong with her and return her back to her family. Best case scenario, a man who has been intimately acquainted with that kind of work is Bob McLaughlin, who is our podcast feature today. And Bob, you are there to tell us all about Springer, the whale that you helped uh, rescue and return to her pod. Uh, why don't you tell us first a little bit about Springer? Who was she and what happened? Springer was a, a little killer whale that was sighted between the uh, Fontenoy Ferry Dock and Vashon Island and showed up, you know, nobody knew from where. And they, the nice thing about, at least in the Pacific Northwest up into Canada, there's an awful lot of whale researchers that take pictures. And they actually had pictures of a mother and her baby that was up in Springer Pass up in Alaska. And so hence the name Springer. And the mother had disappeared, and they had assumed that the baby had died. But uh, nobody know, quite knows how it happened. But about the same time, there was a couple whales that were stranded near Port Angeles. And one of them was beached and died. The other ones were pulled off, and they swam out. And about 12 hours after that, they found a, saw a little baby killer whale going through Deception Pass. So the theory is that Springer, when her mother died, started going down the west side of Vancouver Island and became, not became, but followed a transient whale pod that ended up having the issue at Port Angeles. She got the, you know, afraid from all the activity that was going there and headed south. And... Again, all assumption went down the east side of uh, Woodby Island, past Seattle, and found a ferry boat she liked at the ferry dock in Mashon Island. So everybody's concerned at that point that if she's going to be hanging around a ferry, that she could potentially get hurt or killed herself or cause some kind of accident, right? And so you no. guys think, okay, let's try to <laughs> move her. Yeah. No, that, that, that was a long time coming because this was in January. And uh, I wish I remembered the, the researcher's name, but he was the first guy I went out there and was watching Springer. And uh, my friend Bob Wolf and I ended up wanting to go out and see it. And he had a beautiful boat for, for doing this because it was a nice 44-foot boat that was nice in the weather with jet drives. So it didn't have props that if the whale had come close to us, we'd have to worry about a prop strike. But we started just taking video of this whale and what was going on in her behaviors. And... You know, people were concerned about it, but nobody really stepped up to the plate to say, oh, we've got to do something. And it wasn't until, you know, about two or three months into this where you're seeing this stuff, the, the media is getting hold of the videos, that indeed there was something going on with this whale. She had the ketosis, uh, you know, which is that you could smell on her breath a, a, a sweet smell, so that might have indicated she had something going on wrong with her. She was eating, you know, uh, so it wasn't as dire as uh, J-50 is. But, uh, you know, it, it, was, it wasn't normal. And she would be laying up against the ferry Evergreen State at night, the Vashon Ferry landing. That would go out in the morning. She'd hang around in that general area. It didn't go more than about two miles north or two miles south, and that's just where she was. 
So and even back then, the idea of intervening in that was controversial, just like it is today. It's deja vu for me. It's exactly that. You had people that were saying, absolutely, let nature take it, take its course. Don't get involved in this thing. This is a, is a natural thing. And there are others that said, you know, let, let's see if there's anything we can do. And, you know, unbeknownst to us is what that was, was learn about killer whales, learn about how this works, and, you know, keep your fingers crossed that this would be a success. And, uh, Allison, there, there's so many things that happened on this project that were basically miracles that it could have gone bad. But Springer, you know, was an amazing little animal. We, uh, you know, and the thing is we brought in, people that aren't used to doing things. We brought commercial interests in that wanted to help out. We brought Nichols Brothers Boat Building. They provided a $25 million boat to help move this thing. The, the villains of Puget Sound, a fish farm, actually provided the capture boat and the support boat and the fish for the whale that while it was in Manchester. Uh, Manson, you know, tug and barge to do the cranes all around the, the town commercially. They were involved in it. So it's, a, it's an interesting project in that if somebody had to write a check, which would have been you or me if the government had done all of this thing, it would have cost a lot of money. As it turns out, this was a community effort that was a success, you know, and, and an unusual success is that, you know, it was a miracle. There's so many things, again, that, that could have gone wrong. So how are you involved now, 10 years later, in the J-50 situation? Mainly an interested observer. Uh, the only thing is, though, is that we still have the the uh, sling and the the hoop to if you're going to uh, capture a live capture of of j50 to be able to move her and transport her and you know we're more than happy to, to let nymphs or whoever is doing the thing do that because otherwise it'd be hard to find something so that's basically our official participation our unofficial participation is is just looking at this thing going on and figuring out the, the similarities between springer but wondering why, you know, along this process, some of the people didn't learn. What do you think they did not learn? To take action sooner. Don't drag your feet. You know, the, the, we have an endangered pod here that we need to learn as much as we can about it. Now, Springer was not part of the, the Southern residents. But, you know, Springer, if there hadn't been a, uh, an effort to rehabilitate or reintroduce her to her pod, she would be dead. So we have another little whale here that obviously I don't think anybody can say that she's not struggling. I don't think anybody can say that she, you know, she's going to survive on her own. So if that's the case, you know, we've got 75 whales out there that could die, and, and uh, J-50 could be the, either the best news in the world for them or the worst news for them. And that means if... if if J-50 has a pathogen that nobody identifies, she, this is all uh, hypothetical, she could take out the pod. Or we could identify that by doing a necropsy if, if and when she does die and find that maybe there was something that was going to, you know, we could identify and be able to, to treat other animals when they come up, like, might come down with that in the future. So it's interesting you bring up the idea of a necropsy, because I think most people right now are talking still, as Noah is telling the public, that this is about a live capture, it's about returning her. They have not used the word necropsy at all in any 
media calls or any releases that I've seen. Uh, so I'm interested about your thoughts on folks who might say, well, that's a little morose and, and why are we doing this? Uh, what do you think about that criticism? And I guess I should say that Springer did have two calves, right? So she is contributing now to her, right. uh, to her own group. Um, so that worked out in, in this particular case. Like you said, it's a lot more of a dire situation, and you have brought up this necropsy. I've heard other people say, you know, I'm kind of wonder if that's part of this, and there are some folks who aren't super happy about that. It sounds like to me what you're saying is we have to get beyond the way we have bias towards what it looks like to deal with endangered species and wild animals and take drastic action because we're just at that point in history. Well, the, the big reason is the, the press release yesterday from National Marine Fisheries. The two conditions were, we're not going to pick up this whale until it's straggling behind or really looks like it's going to die. <laughs> so, so that's number one. They both people you know, are not saying, oh, then what you do after they, she dies, but you know, that's what you've got to look at. The other thing is that, okay, let's say we take this animal to a rehabilitation facility to do our best, and she's still failing. Then we go out and put her with her pod so she can die. You know, it's, those are the two options they gave us. You know, the other option, will she be treated? Will she be able to, uh, you know, come back and be healthy? You know, and that's what everybody's hoping for. But in reality, they're, you know, they're, the things they're talking about is, we're going to wait until she's almost dead, then let's try to bring her back. Well, usually you want a patient that's probably in better shape rather than just sitting on death's door. And if she knows she's going to die, then let's put her out with her family again so she can die and nobody can learn exactly what happened. And again, it's, it's like the... Uh, canary in a mine is that she might be the indicator animal that will show us that there's a pathogen there the southern residents that has something to do with their declining population it has something to do with the new babies dying it has something to do with uh uh the baby that was was put around the sound maybe that baby that died right after birth had this pathogen that that j50 does and maybe she didn't fight it as well as j50 did but j50 was always a struggling animal. It wasn't, you know, people said, oh, my God, there's the healthiest animal in the world. She always had issues. People are looking at that. And it concerns me is that I'm bottom line type of person. Can we try to save this pod? How do we do it? We learn as much as we possibly can. We try to learn from it. A capture and release of, of J50 is a phenomenal thing if we do it. And more importantly, we learn how to do it so that if it happens again, we know exactly what works and what doesn't work. And that's the thing that bothers me. I, it's, it's, again, the Springer thing all over again. Let nature take its course. Fine, but this is not a healthy pod. This is not a healthy population. Let's try to find out what nature is doing to actually hurt this. And I think maybe a lot of people don't realize that, though, they hear that number 75, that actually there's only about a dozen that can reproduce. So every single one right. of them really does have a long-term effect on the future of that population. I do want to ask you about the Springer buildup to when this actually happened and, like you said, that controversy over it. Um, because there's been some criticism towards the federal government, NOAA, specifically about why this whale and, and why this long did you wait to get involved? And uh, was it really just J-35 pushing her dead calf around that finally put the public pressure on them to take some kind of intervention? Because we all know that this is not the first calf in this population to die of this exact same kind of condition. Though we don't know specifically what she's dealing with, we know she looks like these other calves that have also died. So I'm curious, could you tell us just a little bit about what it was like working with Noah back then? And 
do you find there to be similar uh, similar uh, parallels in this case? Uh, unfortunately, yeah. Uh, National Marine Fisheries was not our partner in this. National Marine Fisheries, you know, was brought kicking and screaming to the table to do something. Uh, National Marine Fisheries did not like the fact that a senator became involved and wrote a letter to say, you guys got to do it. Then they became doing it. Then they came in and said, well, then we've got to take over everything. And <laughs> I'll try to say this tactfully. When they screwed up, people had to come in and bail them out. They had to find a transport boat. They had to get the fish. They, they had to, you know, in Manchester, where they were doing the, the uh, rehabilitation of the whale, we provided all the underwater cameras. We provided the fish. We provided the, you know, the capture boat. We provided the medical boat. And you know what? They banned us. We weren't allowed there. We weren't allowed to see anything. It was like, oh, my God, you know, Satan has come to, to see what Springer's doing. And then when we provide the transport boat, it was, it was like, you know, they absolutely were spitting blood, but they didn't have any options. And then we got, it, it, and there's a documentary done, and one of the comments made is when we got over the, the U.S. border, DFO took over, and it was a completely different uh, feeling. It was, let's work together. Gee, thanks for helping us out on it. You know, we've never been a thank you from National Marine Fisheries for doing anything. It's been basically, and I think it's sort of on this thing now. We've got the, the stretchers and stuff. They, I had to be approached by somebody outside of NIMF say, would you mind if we used it? Absolutely. You know, why not? If we can do something to help, we want to do it. Could I have helped in this, this effort? I probably couldn't have done any better. But, you know, I still say the resources of people who have, are doing this thing and who have done it in the past, you think that at least they reach out and say, hey, do you have any ideas since you hit a couple, couple of these hurdles that we're dealing with now? And that's the thing. National Marine Fisheries, from what I can see, and the same thing with Springer, they did not like videos of Springer. We gave those to the media, and it, they just hated that fact. And they wouldn't allow you know, anybody to document the process of what happened. There wasn't any real documentary or evidentiary gathering video about how the Springer Project worked. So down the road, they could come back and say, look at this, look at this. This worked, this didn't work. It was sort of like, you know, I think they figured this thing was going to fail. And so they were already taking a step back, saying, oh, God, you know, we sort of told you and stuff, and that's why it failed. But unbeknownst to them, it was a success, thanks to, you know, Springer's aunt, and thanks to, to Springer, you know, it was a success. It was an amazing success. But there's so many people that are saying, oh, my gosh, you know, it's so easy. That was not easy. There's so many things that went wrong that, and could have gotten worse. You know, when Springer was released to her pod, she didn't go to the pod. She went off to another direction and started running up and started up against sailboats. You know, you don't hear about that. And so what happened in that? The, the same people that uh, helped the Springer and are actually some of the people they're dealing with with uh, J-50 right now, you know, we followed her. We followed the tracking, tried to see what was going on. And it's nothing we did but this one ant bound Springer and, and brought her into the pod. And would she have survived otherwise? You know, we don't think so. You know, that was a really fluky thing, the, the, the circumstance that happened. So when we're dealing then the concerns with J-50, if we're dealing with we capture the animal and try to introduce her back to the pod, which 100% absolutely you've got to do. If she's healthy, you absolutely have to do it. But it's not a slam dunk whether the pod will accept her. And those are the things you learn. This is why you want to do these things rather than sit back and say, oh, let nature take the course. Because we have a, a group of animals, 75, that the attrition rate is phenomenal, and we might have to do more proactive things to learn as much as we can. So if we have to do that, we're going to be successful. I think, too, just to go back to what you were saying, I mean, it's still very difficult to 
be in the media and try to cover these topics from a video standpoint because it's very tough if not near impossible to even get on one of these boats and and we take the right. video thankfully i think noah's giving us pictures and video uh pretty regularly and we do appreciate that but yeah it's, you can't get on the permit and it's it's really tough uh so that i'm mm -hmm. not sure has changed a whole lot um the other thing though is is there really anything like nature at all anymore in the sense that is anything existing without some kind of human influence and i pose that question just to say are we fooling ourselves to think that there's anything like actually pure nature taking its course anyway, anymore? Boy, you know, that that's a hard one because, you know, the humans are not the best stewards of the earth right now. You know, there's an awful lot of things going on. I think partially what's going on, though, with the southern residents is that you compare them to the transients that are here who are thriving. And you compare those to the... Uh, uh, you know, the southern residents, and what do they have in common? They have in common that they're exposed to boat noise. They have in common they're, they're exposed to the toxins and stuff in the environment, both of which, you know, have been mitigated a little bit. But the big thing they don't have in common is that the transients eat almost anything they can find where the southern residents, according to their culture, just have to eat the fish. So it's the fish is the situation. And, Bob, uh, can I stop you there just to say, yeah. really, people criticize this particular intervention because there are factions that say this is theatrics taking away from the larger issues of restoring Chinook. No, no. This is, this is again, goes back to the basis of this whole conversation. You learn from it. You know, doing this thing with, with uh, J50, we do it, could be the biggest mistake we, we could make. But we won't know till we try it. We don't know if we have two other whales that are ill. And when do you intervene? You know, was, was as the whales laying on the side up on a beach, is that the time to intervene? Or is it when you see the peanut head, is that the time to intervene? And there's so much more to, 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 to grabbing the whale because she's in a pod. You know, she's in with their family. What are they going to do? Are they going to follow the whale down to, to Manchester? Well, if they do, then we learn from that. You know, how do you do it? And you may not ever be able to do it again. But there's so much that we don't know. And that's the thing, thing that's frustrating is that I think everybody on either side of the fence have the same goal. They want the southern residents to thrive. They want them to come back and be healthy. And people have different ideas of the best way to do that. And so if you're going to do that, you've got to at least try something to, rather than the status quo. And that's, you know, just what they've done in the past is wait, wait, wait until either public pressure or senator tells them to go do it. And the nature side of it, that's, you know, that's what it is. Uh, you know, the dams on the, on the Snake River and stuff, that'll help. But, you know, is there a way to maybe wean the southern residents from fish feeding to doing some of the stuff the transients are? Will the southern residents from 10 years be successful, but they're beating seals now? Those are all things that the jury's still out on. And that's nature. And, you know, there, there's uh, examples of species that would not change, and they're, they're not here anymore. And there's other ones that species have accommodated or acclimated to it. And usually it starts with some, you know, renegade teenage killer whale that says, hey, let me try a seal. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not an easy answer, but the, again, the goal is, as, as passionate as most people are, I think is 100% the same. We want the southern residents to survive, and we want to try to do whatever we can to make that happen. And we don't eliminate one idea because you believe in another one. I think you've got to try everything as long as your heart and your intelligence and your expertise says this is the thing to do. All right, Bob McLaughlin, Project Seawolf. Thanks, Bob. We appreciate it.
Okay, you're welcome. I guess.